We're going to turn to 531. All hail the power of Jesus' name, 531. It's all singing out good and strong this morning. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him the Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. He chose the seed of Israel's race. He ransomed from the fall. Hail him who saved you by his grace and crown him the Lord of all. Hail him who saved you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Let every kindred, every tribe on this terrestrial ball. To him all majesty ascribe and crown him the Lord of all. To him all majesty ascribe and crown him the Lord of all. Oh, that with yonder sacred throne we at his feet may fall. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. Someday, someday, we're going to stand before the throne. Hallelujah. We're going to cast our crowns at Jesus' feet. Amen. He's going to get all the glory. It won't be no sticking out our chest there. Amen. It'll be humble. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. It'll all be that way now. Amen. We ought to be practicing for heaven right now. Amen. We ought to give him the glory, sing from the bottom of our hearts, and pray for everything we got in us. Amen. Because we're serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. He sure is good to me. I don't know if he's as good to you as he is to me, but I suspect he is because he don't change. Amen. Hallelujah. If he's good to one, he'll be good to another. Amen. And have you got any requests this morning? Let's lift them up to the Lord. Prayer requests. I know the crowd this side, somebody must pray about something. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Huh? Oh, yeah, Sandy, okay. I thought you said Sandy. I was like, well, she's standing right there. <laughs> she can take you. Anybody else? Okay, all right. Charlotte? Okay. And I appreciate y'all praying. Stephanie had a kidney stone the other night, and she was leaning over the island in our kitchen, and I said, is it worse than labor pain? She said, I'd have 10 kids over having one kidney stone. I said, my goodness, my goodness. So so thank God it passed the next morning about 8 o'clock. So praise the Lord. Thank you for your prayers. Anybody else? Any other prayer requests? Yes, Aubrey? Okay. The Lord knows all about it. All right. All right. Let's remember, let's remember Richard. He had something he was dealing with. He didn't bring it out, but he knows what it is. God knows what it all is, so. Remember to pray for him. Remember remember Scott. I know Scott, Byron said he planned on being here, and he may still be. But y'all please pray for him. I know he really wants to be in church, and he needs he needs some help. He needs some medical help, and pray that that gets worked out. It seems like the medical world is dragging their feet, and uh, he's not in position to have somebody treat him that way. So pray that God makes a way and opens the door for him to get help. All right. How many in here this morning got an unspoken request? Hold your hand up. Amen. You know, God knows all of them, even though we don't. But that's all right. I don't know all those, but I, but I love you, and so I'm going to pray for them, okay? And, and and you love one another, and I know we're going to pray for one another. How many of you pray for everybody else's request? 
All right. Well, hallelujah. We're going to deal with it. Let's take it to the Lord in prayer this morning. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. Yeah. 
singing the song, he's going to gird himself, which means he's going to put on the serving clothes. He's going to he's going to serve us and feed us. He's going to give us food, and we're all going to sit down with him and have the best fellowship meal that ever was had. And I don't know how long it'll last, but nobody be checking their watch. Nobody be worrying about going home to see a ball game. Nobody be concerned about getting a nap. Everybody be glad to be there. And I tell you, ain't nobody going to want to leave, neither. I expect the chairs to be comfortable. We'll probably sit a while. Amen. All right, let's sing another one tonight. 223, draw me nearer. 223. I am thine, O Lord. I have heard thy voice, and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast soul, and my will be lost in thine. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I spend. When I kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. There are depths of love that I cannot know till I cross the narrow sea. There are heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with thee. From me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord. To the cross where thou hast died Draw me nearer, 
mercy of God. Amen. That's that's all it is. We're going to look at it this morning, and you may think, well, we was on that last week. We was on that the week before. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Chapter 3 of Galatians is one of the most important chapters in the Bible. And 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 I realize that some of y'all in here studied this and know it really well. And I realize there's others of you in here that don't know it that well. So the ones of you in here who know this real well, just bear with me because I want to make sure everybody, I'm going to catch everybody up to speed this morning. Amen. It's important to me that we take our time and that we understand the doctrine. Amen. Because without the doctrine, we can't teach anybody else. Right? Because it's it's so important. I mean, it's important with medicine, right? If you got two medicines and they both pills look similar, and the names are similar, you better be real careful when you tell somebody, now make sure you take this one, not that one, because the other one may hurt you, amen? And again, it's so important that we not know something about the Bible, but we know what it says, amen? So let's get into it. I'm going to try my best to 
to do it in a timely manner. I can't promise you, but I'll do my best. Amen? So let's get into it. Let's go to the Lord in word of prayer. Let's ask God to meet with us, and then we'll get into the Scripture. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to me, even though I don't deserve it. But, Lord, I know that, now, Lord, I don't deserve it because of Jesus and what he's done. Lord, you pour out your righteousness. You pour out your mercy and your grace on me in abundance. Lord, I get what I don't deserve because it's what Jesus gave me. Lord, because he's worthy and I'm not. And I'm thankful this, this day to be worthy because of what Christ has done for me. And Lord, I pray that we'll remember that. We'll learn that. We'll get that inside of us. Lord, it never, that the devil will never be able to chip away at that. Lord, that we're not saved by our works, but we're saved by grace. And it's only by grace that we're saved. And it's by grace that we're kept saved. And, Lord, the devil can't do a thing about it to a saved person. He can't take that away. And, Lord, we're not going to look at assurance this morning, but thank God for assurance. And we give you glory today for what Jesus has done. And we ask you to help us. Open our understanding now, Holy Spirit. Make these things plain. Use me, Lord, and give me, Lord, the way to communicate these things so that they are easy to understand. And we'll give you the glory and the praise for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to look this morning at the law in light of the Old Testament and the New Testament. All right? The Old Testament, as we as we were we were in this last week. I think most of y'all was here last week. So you're not foreign to what we're talking about. We're talking about, again, the church in Galatia being told by Judaizers, that people who come from, they came up from Jerusalem, they were Jews, and they, they, were, they were of the mind that if you were going to be a Christian, you had to be a Jew, that you had to do things the way Jews did. You had to identify with the Jewishness of Jesus before you could be saved if you were a Gentile. <coughs> and last week, Paul showed them, though they claimed Abraham as their father, Genetically, he showed them that spiritually, all who believe on Jesus Christ, and they believe by grace through faith, they are the children of Abraham by faith. And again, not by their works, not by their birth, but by their faith. So that's what we looked at last week. Let's begin there in verse 10. The Bible says in verse 10, chapter 3 of Galatians, For as many as are of the works of the law, again, that's doing works, are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Okay? It says, For as many as are of the works of the law. Paul is addressing those who thought that by doing the things that the law of Moses said, that that could give them a right standing before God. They were of a mind, if we do what if we do what's in the law, then God's going to say, hey, y'all are okay. So, even if Abraham was accepted by God only because of his faith, then you know what? It stands to reason that the rest of us are not going to surpass him in producing good works. Again, the only way, he was, only way Abraham was accepted or counted to righteousness is because he believed God. It was his faith. It wasn't any good works. And again, we're not going to, we're not going to end up being a better person than Abraham and God say, oh, well, you're such a great person. You know, we're gonna, I'm going to accept you. No. The, the hypocritical workers of the law are those who are trying to earn righteousness by performing good works with their body while their heart is still a long way from God. Again, hey, there's people down there, to and I always bring them up, but again, you want to talk about a works-based system, that Catholic Church, that's all it is. They're in there this morning, bowing and standing, bowing and standing, bowing and standing, sticking out their tongue, let, let the priest put a little... Uh, a little wooden paddle underneath their tongue while he lays a wafer on their tongue, which is supposed to be the body of Jesus Christ. It transforms into the actual body, they say. They sacrifice Jesus every Sunday. They crucify him afresh every Sunday. The Word of God warns against somebody doing such as that. Again, they're trying to earn their way. And, uh, and they, again, their hearts are far from God because they Again, they're worshiping, they're worshiping his earthly mother. They're doing all kinds of things they ought not be doing. But nevertheless, those who are trying to work their way to heaven is what we're looking at this morning. He said, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. See, these, these Judaizers, and they, they believe that, that Gentiles 
could still live under the law of Moses because they thought that that was the path to blessing. That if, listen, if we keep all the laws of Moses, we keep all the dietary laws, and we live according to the laws of Moses, then God will bless us. We'll have his favor. They thought, surely God hasn't, God hasn't stopped doing things that way. But Paul told them, said, look, instead of a blessing, living under the works of law will put you under a curse. It will put you under a blessing. It will put you under a curse. But it isn't hard. Look, it isn't hard to see how they they believe that living under the law brought blessing, and I'll explain that. So it's not easy. I mean, it's not hard for me to understand how they were confused. Because listen, they could read back in the Old Testament a lot of passages that supported their way of thinking. I'll give you a couple. Psalm one nineteen verse one. Listen to what it says: Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. So it sounds like if you walk in the law of the Lord, that you're blessed. Okay. Psalm 1, 1 and 2 says, and y'all know this one, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, uh, and nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So we need to understand how the law can be, bring a blessing, and at the same time it says that they're under a curse if you're under the law. So what is that? How, is, how do we straighten that out? Well, we need to understand that the term the law, the word law there, is used in two different senses in the Bible, okay? Sometimes it means the law of Moses, with, like I said, with all its commands, which a man must uh, obey to be approved by God. That, again, that's the things that, that, they, that they were saying that you had to be under in order for you to be uh, saved, which is not true. That, there ain't nobody in this age of grace under the law. But that's what they were saying, okay? That's one meaning of the term the law. But then there's another term. Sometimes it just means God's word. Okay? It's a general sense. And many times when the Old Testament speaks of the law, it speaks in a general sense of God's word to us. When Psalm 119 verse 97 says, Oh, how I love thy law, it is my meditation all the day. Psalmist is talking about more than just the law of Moses. He's talking about all of God's word. He's speaking of all of it. So, Understanding that we, we can see how the Bible is filled with praise for the law because again this this whole this is this is all this is all of God's law, Amen. But again, God's law versus the five first books of the Old Testament, which are the Pentateuch, which are the books of Moses, that's different than saying the whole book. So we have to understand there's two two references there, and uh, and we need to we need to understand that we're blessed. We're blessed when we keep the law because we're living according. And when I say keep the law, I mean we're just we're just following God's word. Okay, that in a general sense, we're blessed if we honor and follow the word of God. All right, but because when we do that, you know, it's just like you get a refrigerator, Sears, you get a instruction manual, and if you if if you if you just treat that refrigerator any way you want to, it'll last a while. But if you follow the manufacturers recommended directions, you'll get the best use out of it. And if we'll follow God's, the manufacturer's instructions for this human life, we'll get the best out of it. Amen? So that's what it means by living according to God's word. It doesn't mean we're to go back and live like a Jew. So when Paul said that, the, that many of us are of the works of the law are under the curse, he didn't mean that the law was bad or that God's word's wrong. He certainly didn't mean that at all. He simply meant that God never intended for the law to be the way that we find our approval before him. You can't find, you can't keep the law and find God approving you because you can't be perfect. Anybody here ever had one day that were perfect? I hadn't either. I ain't had an afternoon or a morning when I was perfect. So, <clears throat> again, so you got to consider this too. The entire sacrificial system of bringing lambs to the temple and slicing their throats and pouring their blood out and, and, and putting their body on the, on the altar of sacrifice, all of that, that whole system is looking forward to what Jesus would do on the cross. All of it's picturing the Lamb of God. So again, the law was there to do what? To point out that we're sinners, to point out that we can't measure up, to point out that there's no way we can ever please God in our flesh. And again, the sacrifices were there to point that the Messiah is coming who's going to fix it all. So, 
The Bible says, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Cursed. And to prove his point, scripturally, again, Paul's proving everything by scripture, he goes to Deuteronomy 27, 26. I'll save you from turning there. I'll read it to you. Deuteronomy 27, 26. Listen to what it says. Cursed, or cursed, be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them. And all the people shall say, Amen. Now, um, let's back up and read that again. Now, you focus on what I'm saying. Cursed, be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them. So, the Old Testament shows us that if we don't keep all the things in the law and actually do them, we're under curse. Now, don't miss that. There's important words there. There's, it keepeth not all this law to do. So all and do are very important words there. So for God to approve you based on your good works and you being a good person and I'm a good person doing good works, you have to do it. Okay? It ain't, I know what the Word says. It ain't just knowing it. It's doing it. Okay? It ain't just knowing it. It ain't just loving it. He said, well, I love the Word of God. I love the Bible. Well, it's not enough to just love what the law of Moses said. You have to do it. It ain't enough for somebody to simply teach the law of Moses. You have to do it. It's not a simple, to simply want it. You have to do it. And look here. Not only do you have to do it, do it all. It means you have to start off in life doing it. And you've got to finish in life doing all that's in the law. Not some of it. Not just when you grow up. When I turn 18, I'm going to start living it right then. No, it ain't. Or not just when I get grown. I'm 40 and all. No, not just more good than bad. Not just outweighing the good, outweighing the bad. No, Deuteronomy 27, 26 specifically says it's to be justified by the law. You must do it and do it in all things. God's real strict on that. All means all. It means that while some sins are worse than other sins, there are no such thing as small sins before a great and mighty God. And the Bible says, cursed is everyone. Paul made a heavy point down here. It weighs us down with a curse. And if you're under the works of the law, the only way you can stand approved and blessed before God by the law is to do it and do every bit of it. And if you don't, you have a curse on you. And curse is a word that sounds strange to our ears. We don't think about things in terms of curses. But in the Bible, the idea of being cursed is a very important thing, and it's a very terrifying thing because it means being cursed by God. That's scared. That's scared living daylights out of me. It's like I was cursed by God. Not just cursed by your bad choices. Not just not just cursed by this wicked world. Not not only just not cursed by the devil, but cursed by God himself. He's the one person you don't want cursing you. And I'm not talking about using profanity. God doesn't use profanity. We're talking about a curse on you. That means you're doomed. Damned forever. Cursed. Doomed. To destruction with you. That's where you're headed if if you're cursed by God. Now, second of all, Old Testament tells us that a right standing before God comes by faith, not by keeping the law. Verse 11, listen to it. For that no man, no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Now, Paul already proven this point. He proved this, we looked at it last week. In the scriptures, examining the life of Abraham, we looked at that. But now he brought in another passage from the Old Testament, Okay. We're going to, uh, you ain't got to turn there, I'll read it to you again. But Habakkuk, Habakkuk, most of us couldn't find Habakkuk probably without a head start. <laughs> Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. Again, that's over the crispy pages, right, where they're stuck together. The gold leaf's still stuck together on that one. But, but Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4, 
Listen to what it says. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. That's in the Old Testament. That's not New Testament. That's Old Testament. The just shall live by his faith. Now, the Jews, they sensed that because nobody could keep the law perfectly, salvation could not come through keeping the law, and that's why they put so much emphasis on their descent from Abraham. Trusting, and what they were doing essentially was trusting in Abraham's merits, not their own, but they trusted in what Abraham had done to save them because they, they sensed in their own heart that their own merits couldn't save them. So, they're, again, that's why they keep breaking up, Abraham's our father, Abraham's our father. And I mentioned last week, don't tell me, well, I'm, I'm, no, I'm going to heaven because mama went to church and mama was a good Christian or daddy was a preacher. You can't get in on somebody else's ticket. It just don't work that way. And they couldn't get in on Abraham's grace, uh, so they can't, they can't get in mine, they can't get in on yours. But the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And that statement from the prophet Habakkuk, one of the most important and the most often quoted Old Testament statements that are mentioned in the New Testament. And Paul uses it here to show us that the just live by faith, not by the law. Being under the law isn't the way to be found just before God. If you're under the law, you're in trouble. But if you're listening, if, if you're living by faith, listen, you, you're doing you're doing fine. Living by faith is the only way that we can that we can ever be approved before God. If you're found to be just, again, that means just as if I've never sinned, approved before God, you've done it by living a life of faith. You haven't done it by by your good works. Not because you've been a good person. It's because you've trusted God and what His Word says regarding His Son. If your life is about living under the law, then God doesn't find you approved. I got again, I got friends in Paris. I say friends, I'm not close to them anymore. We have nothing in common anymore. They're following the law of Moses now. They turned away from the truth of the Word of God and turned to the law of Moses, and that's what they look at now. And and they they discount all the teaching in the Word of God about grace, and they they look at it now that it's all about keeping the law, and then they think themselves to be Jews. And I hate to tell them, but you buy you you bought yourself a ticket. To, to hell if you're trusted in that versus Jesus. And I have a feeling they weren't ever really trusted in Jesus at all because if they had been, they wouldn't have turned him away from the law. They didn't understand grace to begin with. I don't, I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me that somebody who understands that grace, salvation is fully and free, that Jesus has done it all. You don't have to do a thing. You simply believe and put all your faith in what he's done and they can take that and say, well, you know what? I don't think that's any good for me. I think I'd rather have, I'd rather have to struggle my entire life to try to do something I can't do. It don't make a lick of sense to me. I, I just don't see anybody that's truly born again could, could be pulled away into that. Or somebody who's very deep in knowledge of the Word of God could be pulled away into that. But uh, if your life's about living under the law, God's not going to find you approved at all. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. And every word in Habakkuk 2.4 is important, and God quotes it three times. Three times. Anytime God says something, more than once, you better pay attention. He says it three times, you know good well. He's trying to get this point across to you, okay? And and he brings it out three times, and here's why. Because he wants to bring out the fullness of the of the meaning of what it said. I'll give you the, what I'm talking about. In Romans 1.17, when Paul quotes this passage, in Romans 1.17, the emphasis was on faith. The just shall live by faith. Okay, so he's emphasizing the fact that it's not by works, it's by faith in Romans one seventeen. Then in Hebrews ten thirty eight, when it's mentioned, uh, the emphasis is on live. The just shall live by faith. Okay, and here in Galatians three eleven, when Paul quotes this passage, the emphasis is on just. The just shall live by faith. This whole verse is, is so. Important, again, God unpacks it three different ways to get us to see it, all right? Thirdly, the Old Testament tells us that the approval by God through the law must be earned by actually living in obedience to the law, not just trying to do it. Verse 12 says, and the law is not of faith. The man that doeth them shall live in them. So... Some might, some might come back to Paul and say, look, I, I, I'll do the best I can under the law, and I'll let faith cover the rest. God will look at what I'm doing. He'll look at my efforts. He'll look at my heart. He'll look at my good intentions. 
And he'll credit me righteousness because he knows I'm trying hard. He knows I'm doing good, and I'm trying hard to please him. Important things, I'm really trying. God knows I'm really trying. That's what people say. God knows my heart. Yeah, he does. But Paul proved from the Old Testament that that, that just ain't good enough. The path of approval by the law and faith don't run together because the law is not of faith. <clears throat> now, the second half of the verse is the man that doeth them shall live in them. Listen to Leviticus 18.5. It says, Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. So this quote's pretty clear. If you want to live by the law, you've got to do the law. Not try to do it, not intend to do it, not even just want to do it, have a desire in your heart. No, it's only the man who does it who lives by it. That's what it says. So, again, you don't partly try to live for God and partly try to trust Christ. That, that'll send you to hell. You say, how does that send me to hell? I trust in Christ. But you're trying to please God in your flesh versus trusting in what Christ has done for you. So are you truly trusting Christ? Is your faith truly in Jesus Christ? If your faith is in you? I mean, I'm telling you, there's people in this world, I'm convinced, they think they got saved, but they never really let Christ do it. They just, it, it's, it's just like, well, I got I got it. Check that by my check that box by my name. But there, is there any faith in what he did? Are you trusting you? I mean, you know, when I was a little boy, I was worried about getting little patches on my Boy Scout uniform. You know, I was like somehow some people look at getting their church name on church rolls, kind of like getting a patch. You know, that's about what it means to them. Uh, listen. And again, being a member of church don't get you saved either. Amen. But you, you better be saved in order to be a member of the church. Um, you know, we can comfort ourselves with our good intentions. We're, we're good at that. I, you know, I, I want I want to be you know I want to be a good person. So we, uh, that, that, I'm I'm okay. That's hogwash. We mean well, don't we? But if we want to find our place by God, by works under the law. Good intentions ain't going to cut it. Paul uses scripture in Galatians 10 through 12. I mean, it's, it's pretty overwhelming. You know, we understand that we don't actually do the law. We understand we don't actually do all the law. And we understand that this puts us under a curse. Galatians 3, 10 through 12 is the bad news. Now Paul begins to explain the good news, okay? So fourth thing, he, he, he explains that Jesus redeems us, curse, amen? Again, the law put us under a curse, but Jesus is going to save us from that curse of the law. Again, what did the law do? The law put me, the law, the law put me in the, in, in the, in, under the death penalty. The law puts me, it's guilty. I, I, I have no room to say like a tongue, I say. I, I, I stood in the courtroom, and the judge said, you're guilty. And I, I, am, I was guilty, and you were guilty. And there's no way we could get out of that guilt. Somebody had to take the guilt. And Jesus did. 12, verse 13 and 14, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us in our place. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So he redeemed us from the curse of the law. Because we can't fulfill the law, because we didn't and we can't do it, the law put us under that curse, but now Jesus has redeemed us back from that curse. Redeemed, the word redeemed, it has the idea of buying back or purchasing somebody out of. It ain't just rescuing. It's actually paying a price to rescue somebody. And Jesus, he bought us out from under the curse of the law. And, and simply put, if, if you have come to Christ and you have believed on him and you are in Christ, you are redeemed from the curse of the law. You're not cursed anymore. And this word rede redeemed, this idea of redemption it's so important that we understand it. 
Redemption points to the payment of a price that sets sinners free. There was a price that had to be paid. Redemption, it, it, came from the, it came from the practices of ancient warfare. So after a battle, you had winners and you had losers, and the winners would, would often swoop in and, and capture some of the defeated and take them back as slaves, back to their kingdom. And among those people that were captured... There was some. There were some that were dirt poor, didn't have anything, and they were sold as slaves. But there would be some wealthy and some important and some powerful people that were taken, and that they mattered to their country. They were very important, influential, and those people were held to a ran- by ransom. You had to. They had to pay a ransom to get them back. And so, when the people in their homeland they'd raise the required price, they would they would pay it to the winners, and the captives would be set free, and they were redeemed. Amen, from their captivity. And they called that a redemption. And, uh, you know, back when there was slavery in this country, there was a time where where it, uh, relatives of that person, if they were in slavery, say somebody, somebody's relatives were a slave, they could raise enough money, they could go down and buy that slave and redeem that slave. Or if that slave was able to save money, they could buy their own freedom. So again, that was the redemption. That was the price of redemption. And uh, the Bible said that he redeemed us being made a curse for us. So the curse is there. The curse did not go away. The curse is going to be there until somebody deals with it. Because, again, the law of Moses proclaims that we have all sinned. We've all gone astray. There's none of us who have done right. We're all we're all. out of God's will, we're all, we've all missed the mark. We've all sinned, every one of us. So Jesus, what did he do? Jesus stepped in and became cursed on our behalf. He stood in my place. He stood in your place and took the curse on him that we deserved. And it's a, it's a something ringing somewhere. I don't know where it is. I know, but I don't know where it's at, but that's all right. All right, let's keep going. That throws me off, all right? So, so, what did it cost? What was the price to redeem us back? It was the price of Jesus himself. He was the only one. Nobody else, down to the entire scope of history, was righteous. Not a single one, not a, not a human being born uh, of a woman was ever born into this world that didn't immediately fall into sin. Not a single one, because we're all under the curse because of our earthly parents, the first parents, and what they did. Every single one of them. But yet Jesus became cursed on our behalf. And he took that price, and, and he paid it in order to buy us out from under the curse of the law. It didn't just cost him something. It cost him himself. And we know that men cursed Jesus when he hung on that cross. Stood back and they reviled him and they mocked him and they spitted him and they cursed him. But all their cursing was nothing compared to how he was cursed by the Father. For me and you. He made himself the target of the curse. And he he set all of us who would believe outside the target area, and he became the target for us. Paul didn't say that Christ was made a curse for himself. The emphasis is on those two words, for us. Christ was innocent. He had no sins of his own to pay for. He didn't deserve to be crucified for any crime that he did because he didn't do any crime. But because he took the the place of all the others who were sinners, he was nailed to that cross just like any other transgressor of the law. And God punished him there in our place. And the Bible says, For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So when did, when did he pay this price? Deuteronomy 21, 23, the Bible said, His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise Bury him that day, for he that is hanged is accursed of God, that thy land shall be not defiled, which the Lord 
Thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. So it says, for he that is hanged is accursed of God. So this verse shows us that Jesus received the curse on himself as he hung on the cross, fulfilling the promise of a curse to all who are not only executed but have their bodies publicly exposed to shame. That, that idea of hanging on a tree in the thinking of ancient Israel, it was something worse than being put to death. Worse than being put to death was to be put to death and, to, and for them to leave your corpse up there in the open, exposed to shame, exposed to humiliation, exposed to buzzards and any other kind of vermin or anything else. So you were just laid, you were just bare and, and an open shame to the whole wide world. So again, that that's why the crucifixion. That's why he died that way. It was the most shameful way that a man could be executed. And again, that's why it's done. You know, again, we 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 we. Use it as a symbol, but it's not a pretty symbol. It's a very horrifying symbol. But it symbolizes what was done to pay our price for our sin. Again, I don't get the idea. I know maybe some of you ladies have got a cross around your neck this morning. i never seen the, the idea of wearing a cross around my neck. Amen? You know why? Because that wasn't the end. Amen? I heard a preacher say one time, if I was going to wear something around my neck, I'd wear an empty tomb around my neck. I wouldn't wear a cross. Amen? Because the cross wasn't the end, praise God. But anyway, it also said his body shall not remain on all night upon the tree. Okay? This is a way of even in the situation of the most severe judgment to temper it with mercy. And Jesus was taken down from the cross before the night had fully come. The Bible says the next part of the verse that the blessing of Abraham might come. Jesus received the curse. We didn't receive the curse. But we deserved it. And he didn't. But we didn't we didn't receive the curse so that we could receive the blessing of Abraham, which he deserved and we didn't. I mean it would be it would be enough if Jesus simply took away the curse that we deserved. But he did a whole lot more than that. He also gave us a blessing we didn't deserve. The blessing of being justified before God instead of works. Not by works, lest any man should boast. Again, I'm a good person. No, you're not. You're worthless without God's grace. You're a sack of dirt with a bunch of bad ideas and opinions without God's grace. You're not a good person. Ain't none of us good. I know some of us are better than others, maybe in the way we deal with people, but ain't none of us good. That's one of the hardest things for a preacher, stand up and tell everybody how lousy they are. You ever think about that? I mean, it really, it's kind of, it, it, I used to tell people, it's kind of church. You know, the Bible says, please God, by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe, for people to get dressed up and come up and be barked at for 45 minutes told how lousy they are. It don't make sense, does it? But, I mean, that's the way God designed for us to, to deal with it. Amen? So, anyway. So, not only did he take away the curse, he brought the blessing upon us as well. And, and again, being justified by works. I mean, not by works, but by faith instead of works. And that that blessing comes on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. It tells us whom the blessing of Abraham comes. Paul didn't mean it only comes upon the Gentiles. The Jews weren't excluded but that it comes upon the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. That's the important thing. The, the phrase, through Jesus Christ, is important. The blessing didn't come to these people because they're Gentiles any more than the blessing of being right with God comes to Jewish people because they're Jews. It doesn't make a difference of how you're born initially. It, all, it comes to all, Jew and Gentile alike, who are identified in Jesus Christ and not by their own attempts to justify themselves. It's because... He is my Savior, and it's because of what I did at all. It's because he saved me. And all of them received this promise of the Spirit through faith. And that means that this blessing of ours in Jesus is, on, is about faith and not the principle of the law. The promise is received. Receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. It's received. It's not earned. When you get a gift, again, as we pointed out before, I pointed out with Blake a couple weeks ago. Again, if you get a gift, you didn't earn it. Because if you earn it, it ain't a gift. It's a purchase. That's the difference. 
Now, if I go, if I go to Rakehouse Ray, after church and get a few items, and they say, it's free today, I said, well, thank you for the gift. But if it costs me a penny, i got to pay for it. Amen. They ain't going to give nothing away there, Mary. Y'all know that. They charge extra because <laughs> it's a small town. But anyway, let's hurry and wrap this up. Uh, let's look at the last part here, verses 15 through 18. Let's look at the unchanging nature of God's covenant with Abraham. God doesn't change. He said, I'm the, I, I'm the Lord thy God, I change not. Amen. Hallelujah. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. He's saying, look here, as far as man, oh, I'll get into that in just a second. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Now to Abraham and to his seed were the promises made. He saith not as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant which was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should be made, that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is, a, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. I know that was just sound like a bunch of bull run together, but I bet you make sense of it. Okay? <clears throat> he said, Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. And what he's saying here in the first statement, let me read that whole statement. I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. He, he's saying, look here, when men make an agreement on this earth, Two men get together, they make a, uh, you go, they go down to a lawyer's office, they enter into a contract, they both sign their names on it, notary public fantasy, whatever. They've entered into an agreement. It, it's going to stand. He's saying a man, when a man makes a covenant, it's going to stand firm once it's made. Nobody's going to say, oh, that doesn't, we didn't make that covenant. Nobody's going to try to get rid of it or change it because why? It was agreed, signed, and, and, and stamped. It's, it's set. Okay? So he's, he's establishing that, that we, we honor our own contract. So, but what he's pointing out, it's not really about covenants made among men, but to say, if God makes one with us, how much more certain is his covenant than one men make? So God ain't going to change. That's what he's trying to say. When man makes one, man will change his covenant, so God certainly isn't going to change it. But there's an important, important word we don't need to miss. At the first of that verse, verse 15, the first word, brethren. Again, I can't speak about these, these Judaizers that came up from Jerusalem, but speaking of the, the Christians in the churches of Galatia, he's having a hard time with these folks. I mean, they're butting heads with him hard, and, and, and it, it's making things difficult for him, and, and, and he's, got, he's got dangerous opponents there, and in spite of all that, he considers them his brothers. You know, those people I don't agree with. Those people I don't get along with. They're still my brothers in Christ. I've I, I butted heads pretty hard with some brethren over the years. But I, I know they're still my brothers in Christ, even though we've, we we get along up there. We just can't get along down here. But, but Paul's having a hard time with these folks. I mean, he's already called them foolish and told them they were bewitched. I mean, he's, having, he, he's dealing pretty sternly with them. And, and again, it, it, it's hard on him. But he, he, has to, he has to look at it and say, look, y'all are brethren. And so he deals with them as brethren. He confronts them as brethren, not as strangers, but as brothers. He persuades them as brothers. And he says, now to Abraham and to his seed were the promises made. Genesis twenty two eighteen. God promised Abraham, in thy seed, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. So that's a promise from God to Abraham. Paul, Paul observes here that the word seed is singular. It ain't plural. He didn't say, in thy seeds shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. He said, and in thy seed. And who is that seed he's referring to? He's referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. God is referring to one specific descendant of Abraham, not all of his descendants in general. He's talking about his seed, which is in the line of Abraham, which is Jesus Christ. For if, thy, for if the inheritance be of the law, it is 
no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. So if the inheritance offered to Abraham, again, saying you'll be the father of many nations, all that, that was on the basis of the law, it might not be permanent. It could change. Because it would depend, at least in part, on Abraham and his good works and his keeping the law. And if he messed up, well, that blows the whole covenant up. But since it's based on the uh, offered on the basis of a promise, and it's God's promise, then it don't change. Because he changes not. And if he promises something, he can't lie. He can't renege or back up on his promise. God, when he says it, it's permanent. So the Bible tells us that God gave it to Abraham by promise. And the word gave here is the ancient Greek word charisma, which is based on the Greek word charis, which means grace. So God God gave it to Abraham by promise. What does that mean? That means God giving God's giving to Abraham was the free giving of grace. Amen? The word is also in the perfect tense, showing that the gift is permanent. So I'm going to wrap this up this morning and close by saying this. I know everybody in here, according to your profession, you said that you trusted Jesus as your Savior and that you know that he's your Savior. But are you trusting in him and his finished work, or are you trying to add your works to it? If you're trying to add your works to it, I'd come this morning and I'd repent before God and I'd say, Lord, please have, have mercy on me. Please forgive my sin. I'm not, I'm not able to live up to what you want. I'm not, gonna, I'm not ever going to depend on, on what I can do. I'm trusting wholly and completely in what you have done and not me at all. And maybe there's nobody in here like that, that that feels like I've I've been trusting my good works. My friend, I'm going to tell you, that that won't do nothing but buy you a ticket to hell. You trust in your works. Jesus and nothing else. Jesus plus nothing, Jesus minus nothing. It's just Jesus. And if you've got Jesus, then you're going. Amen? Let's stand together. This morning, I'm going to tell you, this morning, if, if, if the Spirit of God is dealing with you, and you, you need to talk about it. We can stay after church and talk about it. Just come up to me after and say, I need to talk to you. We'll sit and talk. If you, want to, if you want to come down this altar and we pray with you, whatever you need is this morning. And, again, I'm not trying to get anybody saved lost, okay? I don't want to do that. But if you're being dealt with by the Spirit of God, you know it. And if you are, I wouldn't hesitate. I wouldn't mess around. I'd come into business with God this morning. Let's, we're going to sing a song of invitation. We're going to pray before we do. What number is that we're doing, sister? Number 10. Number 10. Let's go to the Lord's Prayer this morning. Let's ask God to bless the invitation. Father in heaven, Lord, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for salvation is full and free. I'm so thankful this morning that I don't have to sit down and explain to somebody how they've got to be good their whole life in your head. Oh, Lord, I'm so thankful that it's free grace. I'm so thankful, Lord, that, that the explanation is just how not to trust in those things, but just trust in you. Just believe on what you've done. You're finished the work. And the fact that you cry out, it is finished. And we know that that is a finality. We know that we never need to worry about anything else because when you said it, it's done. And, Lord, I'm so grateful that you're my Savior, that you save us full and free. Lord, please bless the invitation. Lord, I pray for somebody in here that needs to come. They would. Lord, maybe there's people listening in to us this morning who need to bow their head and ask Jesus to be their Savior and trust Him and what He's done for them, not themselves. Lord God, please save the sinner near as hell and we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I have decided to follow Oh,